0: chapter 9 verses 1 to 17. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men, and He said to His disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, He looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is God's Word.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be with you this morning. You are looking absolutely beautiful this morning. Do you know that? Really fantastic. I had uh, a cataract operation a few weeks back, and then I got new contact lenses on Friday, and believe me, you guys look a lot less fuzzy, so it's great to be uh, with you this morning. Making disciples is what we're looking at. Uh, we started off with, what is discipleship? Uh, then we looked at personal Bible reading, and last week, uh, Sam took us through one-to-one discipleship. So this morning, I'm looking at small group discipleship. We all need to be involved in a small group and, uh, you know, with like-minded Christians as we seek to become more like Jesus. Now, we can do discipleship in other groups as well, uh, but this morning I'm going to particularly be talking about uh, the small groups. At, at church, we call them, uh, at Cross Culture, we call them life groups, you know, where we study uh, the Bible together, uh, where we uh, most importantly do life together as a community. When I became a Christian uh, a few years back, uh, the first thing that I did was I got involved in one-to-one discipleship with uh, Acosta, who is the person who led me to the Lord, because I found it really helpful because I really needed to know, you know, what did it really mean to be a true follower of Jesus Christ? But I also joined a life group, and that life group was fantastic. It was like a a second discipleship. That's how I look back on it very much. That's how it was to me with a group of people. uh, They really helped me to understand, you know, what does it mean to live out the Christian life in everyday matters? You know, when I came to Cross Culture... Uh, one of the first things that I did was I joined a life group. That was a fantastic way to uh, make friends, uh, get to know the community and also to keep growing in Christ. You know, over the years I've been involved in uh, a lot of different life groups or quite a few anyway. You know, through different stages in life it it's sometimes changed you know, as I got married and uh, then uh, had children as well. Uh, the only time, actually, that I haven't been uh, consistently going to a life group was during a long period of illness uh, when, I was, uh, su- when I had dialysis and uh, then a kidney transplant, uh, probably a bit before the dialysis as well. I wasn't too crash-hot then either. Uh, but now we've uh, joined a life group called uh, True North. Uh, it's mostly made up of uh, young families, uh, um, which I had not too long ago. So why don't we pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. Uh, Father God, we just come before you at this moment, uh, giving you thanks, Lord, for your incredible word, which speaks into our hearts and into our lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning uh, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want you to imagine for a moment just imagine that you had unlimited power, unlimited resources, and unlimited time. How would you go about just changing, transforming this world, you know, from what it is now to something a whole lot better? You know, what I thought is, You know, I'd go about, you know, I'd just start this mass movement. You know, I'd definitely get onto, you know, Facebook and Twitter and get as many followers as you can and get into the media and just attract as many people as you possibly can and then really go for it. Use mass media to start up a mass movement of people. Jesus had a plan. His plan was to bring in the kingdom of God. And his plan was different. He decided to take 12 disciples, spend three years of intensive training and uh, teaching them and helping them to live out what he was teaching them. And then he asked them ...to do the same thing. That's God's plan. Uh, Pretty different from my plan, really. Transform the world. And he started with a small group of 12 men. Today, we're going to look at, you know, how can we be part of God's plan? So, first, let's look at what Jesus did here... In the Gospel of Luke In Luke chapter 4 he begins his ministry You know he goes around teaching He goes around healing people uh, Lots of people uh, come to him uh, Many of them become his disciples that is, his followers uh, of Jesus And then in chapter 6 and verses 12 uh, to 13 Jesus goes to the mountain to pray to God And when day came He called his disciples together All of them and from them, he chose 12, who he called apostles. See, from the big group, Jesus chooses to concentrate on 12, a small uh, group of men uh, who he spent a lot of time with, uh, teaching them and showing them and getting them involved in his ministry, in doing it with him. And, you know, he transformed these, uh, uh, this small group of men How did Jesus choose this small group? Well, he spent all night in prayer with the Father. How do we go about choosing which small group we should be part of? Then uh, we come to uh, Luke chapter 9. Let me look first at verses 7 to 9. We have Herod here. He's the king. He's uh, the big wig in this uh, area. Uh, He shows a lot of interest in Jesus. But of course, Herod had beheaded John the Baptist. So you can understand that Jesus might not be too keen on this guy. Uh, In verse 9 it says, Herod sought to see Jesus. But interestingly, Jesus never, ever sought to see Herod. Actually, he never seemed to concentrate on, you know, going to find big, influential people uh, in the community. Jesus' 12 were just ordinary people. Everyday people. No religious leaders, uh, nobody that you would uh, particularly look up to in any great way, just sinners and fishermen. Uh, Good on you, Dr. Chong and uh, Derek there. (laughs) Jesus invests three years discipling these 12 men. Why should I join a life group? because Jesus did discipleship in a small group. Now, let's uh, continue to look at uh, Jesus. What did he do? He then goes on to send out the 12 in the first uh, six verses there of uh, Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, Jesus called the 12 together. Interesting, isn't it? They weren't actually always together. Um, We know that Peter, of course, was married. Probably others of them were married as well. So they obviously had families and obviously they did spend time with their families as well. Then it says that Jesus gave them power and authority over the demons and to cure diseases. Jesus, you see, has the power and he gives it to his disciples. When Jesus asks you to do something, he's also going to give you the power to do it. Even if you can't see that right at the start, it shows itself as we do what Jesus tells us. And that's what happened with these disciples here. Verse 2, Jesus sends them out uh, two by two. We know that actually from Mark chapter 6 and verse 7 relating the same story. And he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom proclaiming the kingdom of God and to heal people. It's interesting, these two things always seem to come together uh, with Jesus. He uh, sends them out to preach the gospel and along with that, healing. See, Jesus came to meet our spiritual needs by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. But he doesn't neglect people's physical needs as well. And that's been obvious throughout, uh, you know, world missions. Uh, With world missions over the years, we've always seen, you know, along with the gospel, there comes hospitals, uh, there comes orphanages and schools. With the gospel comes healing as well. Uh, Then in life group, we uh, learn, you see, to live the Christian life in community as well. See, because God made us to live in community. See, you can't grow uh, as a Christian uh, if you're not living in community with other people as well. I mean, you know, you can't learn to love people from a distance, can you? I mean, how could you, you know, learn to forgive people by text message? It really doesn't work. Uh, Then, too, a life group, a life group, you know, It's a group of people who can do a whole lot more than just us as individuals. You know, with a life group, you have people with different spiritual gifts who are coming together. They can use their different spiritual gifts together and to support uh, one another as well. Uh, For example, last year we had a Cross Culture Assist where we provided this food aid, you know, to the city of Melbourne. And that could only come about because there was a a whole group of people who came together, brought all their gifts together, and they worked together as a team and touched more than 2,000 people here in the city. Uh, They brought them food, but they also brought them a message of hope as well. You know, would you ever think of starting something like that by yourself? It'd be really hard, I think, to do street outreach on your own. Much easier when you have a group of people that you do it with. You know, reaching out to the homeless would be scary if you did it by yourself. Perhaps even starting up a prayer meeting at your workplace by having your life group behind you sit with my life group I can do things with them together that I can't do on my own. I can't do it without their support. And also you find, you know, in life group, uh, your learning is multiplied. You know, in one-to-one, you've got one person that's, uh, that's supporting you, but in life group, you've got, you know, a number of different people, perhaps uh, five or ten, or more people who are inputting, perhaps or have an influence in your life. You know, you're rubbing shoulders with people who you might have never meet in other circumstances. You might never have much to do with them. People from all different walks of life, uh, you know, different spiritual backgrounds, uh, different places in their spiritual walk. They all come together in life group and we share our struggles and we watch God work in and through us as a group of his people. You know, it's amazing what you can learn from uh, other Christians who are quite different from you. I remember uh, many years ago, I was in a life group with uh, Libby. Uh, Now, Libby uh, had an accident when she was a kid and she had multiple uh, disabilities as a result, and um, uh, she I thought she had a a simple faith, you know. Uh, She she wasn't someone that I thought that I could learn much from, really. And uh, God really taught me through that. You know, she had an incredible love of God. She loved life. (laughs) And she was just never complained about anything at all. And she taught me what does it really mean to trust God no matter what, your circumstances. You know, if you're not yet a Christian, then you won't find a better place to go to to find out what does it really mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus than in a life group. I really recommend that you join a life group to really find out what it means to be a Christian. So, now, how does life group discipleship really work well let me make a, a, a few points first of all I think what well, we all need to know what on earth are we doing here meeting as, as a group you know well, what are we trying to achieve what was Jesus trying to achieve with uh, you know his small group he took these 12 men and he was transforming these guys I mean, he didn't just change their behaviour, he changed them on the inside. They became disciples who learnt. He, they learnt from Jesus and they learnt that they wanted to become more like him. Not just in their actions, but in their thoughts, in their desires, in their aiming life. <coughs> Does your life group have that kind of purpose? Of wanting to grow each person in their discipleship with Jesus? You know, have you talked about that together? Is that what you are actually doing as a group? Now, secondly, Jesus invited these uh, 12 guys to actually come into a relationship with him. Uh, Verse 10 uh, when they came back from this uh, mission, um, they came and they told Jesus all that they'd been up to, all that had happened to them. And then Jesus takes them to a quiet place to spend some time, for refreshment together. You see, Jesus really cared for the 12. And Jesus was completely open with his disciples. He was transparent to them. You know, he made himself vulnerable to the disciples. I mean, he did things like, uh, for example, up there on the screen, uh, they would see Jesus when he gets tired, uh, when he's hungry. Uh, They saw him when he rebuked religious leaders. He did a bit of that, and he rebuked them as well. He was angry at the money changers. He wept at uh, the death of Lazarus. He was the leader who washed their feet. Life group is a place where we can take off that mask and be honest with one another and feel safe as we do that. But I think, you know, we need more than just relationships. And in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in verses 10 to 17, uh, you know, the apostles, they return from the mission. Uh, Jesus takes them uh, to a place and then the crowd follows them. Interesting about Jesus. Verse 11, Jesus welcomes the crowd. Jesus always seems to care about people uh, no matter what the circumstances, doesn't he? Even when it's really inconvenient. Uh, Then the apostles, uh, they make this really good point to Jesus. Hey, uh, you've been teaching all day. Uh, It's getting rather late. You know, the people, they've got to find some food. They've got to find a place to eat uh, before it gets dark. And then Jesus says to them in verse 13, you give them something to eat. (laughs) What a challenge, eh? You give them something to eat. You know, they've been hearing Jesus uh, teaching all day long. Now he gives them the challenge to put what they've learnt into action. And he does it all the time with these guys. I mean, he is always challenging his disciples. You see, relationship without challenge leads to cosy Christianity. You know, happy with where we're at, you know, maybe growing in knowledge, but not really becoming more like Jesus, not in the deep areas of life. You can see there from this uh, diagram, this is like a matrix about, you know, a group of people uh, comparing relationship uh, with challenge. See, without strong relationship, uh, then when you challenge people, they don't trust you. But when the group has got really strong and deep relationships with one another, and we're willing to challenge one another as well in our spiritual work, then it empowers everyone in the group, you know, to really grow in their discipleship with Jesus. You know, have you been in a life group for a really long time or perhaps you've known those people for a long period of time, the relationships are are really deep, but are you challenging each other You know, just not in just, you know, the shallow stuff, but really in the deeply anchored patterns in your life. Or maybe you've got an unwritten rule. I won't ask you, you don't ask me. Don't ask me something that's really hard. You know, as a life group... Why don't we commit ourselves to really grow in discipleship together? You know, give each other permission, permission to speak into our lives. When you see a sin in my life, then tell me, help me, pray for me. We can do that with each other. Now, why don't we also agree, you know, as a group, as a life group, to, to, to challenge ourselves, uh, perhaps in an area of discipleship or, or evangelism, you know, once or twice or even more than that in a year. Something that's really going to challenge each one of us to really grow. Uh, you know, don't just learn, but, but implement what we've learnt as well. I mean, you could go to a nursing home. It's a bit hard to, at the moment, but as uh, vaccinations come out, you can go to a nursing home and, and perhaps provide music, communion and a message, uh, telling them about it. Maybe you want to get, you know, a bit more challenging. Maybe you could go even to a prison. Have you ever thought of going to a prison to tell them about Jesus. Actually, we had a, a pastor at our church, a former pastor many years ago, Jonathan adler and he did that at the Remand Centre here in the city. He came with a group of people and they went there, I brought music and a message. Perhaps you could do a prayer walk in your area or perhaps here in the city, do it together as a group. Or find some other way to help the needy in your area but also bringing them the word of hope as well. You see, with Jesus, there's no relationship without challenge. With Jesus, there's no discipleship relationship without challenge. Uh, But notice that Jesus doesn't just... um, uh, Well, after he challenges them in verses 14 to 17... He doesn't just miraculously you know, provide this whole stack of food and tell the guys, hey, hand it out. You know, I've done it all. You guys just hand it out. No, he doesn't do that. He gets them involved in the miracle as well. See, as the disciples obey Jesus, as they are handing out the food, the miracle is happening. When you think about it, could you imagine, okay, Jesus, I'm going to hand this stuff out. There's 5,000 hungry men out here. I'm going to be stuck in the middle of 5,000 men with one loaf of bread. What's going to happen if it doesn't multiply? You see, there's faith and trust in Jesus here. See, so he wants them to grow through the challenge. you know, if we are not being challenged, we are not growing in our discipleship. Now, I just want to encourage uh, all of you, if you're uh, not already in the life group, to get into a life group. Uh, Sorry, I'm going to do that in a moment. Right now, I'm going to tell you about one-to-one discipleship and small group discipleship. Pastor Sam last week, he gave this uh, illustration, a really good one actually, so I thought I'd use it again. It's about uh, personal fitness, you know. You can, uh, if you want to get fit, you know, you get into a group with a group of people or perhaps you go to a gym together with others, you play a sport together and uh, you help and encourage one another to keep fit. That's like a life group. But perhaps you have some particular needs like a sore knee like I have at the moment. Uh, You may have some other problems with your... um, Coordination. So what you need is you need a personal trainer to really help you in the particular areas that you need help in to, uh, to really motivate you perhaps but also to challenge you in that area. And that's like one-to-one discipleship. Now I know we're all time poor. So you might ask the question, do I really have to do both, Lou? I want to say to you, I know you need to do both. Unless, of course, you are the perfect disciple, and I've only ever met uh, one of those in my life. His name was Jesus. You know, if you're really serious about discipleship in your life, then you need both. Get serious. Now, if you're not yet in a life group and you'd like to get into a life group here at Cross Culture, there's some details coming on the screen there. That's where you can go in order to join one of the life groups here at the church. You know, it's a group of, you know, say six to 12 people. They meet together regularly, maybe weekly or fortnightly, study the Bible together, worship God together. They pray for one another as well. They share food. They share friendship. And most of all, they do life together as well you know, to really live out what it means to follow Jesus, to encourage one another and to challenge one another as well in their discipleship. Now, you may have some difficulty in joining a life group. And, you know, if you need help and support to get you to that point, then, you know, come and see myself or one of the other pastors and perhaps even contact us during the week. Uh, I know there are people who sometimes have some um, personal issues or or things in their life that makes it hard to join a life group. You know, come and speak with us. We want to help you to get into a life group. Jesus is God. He's got unlimited power, unlimited resources, and unlimited time. But he didn't start a mass movement. He didn't go for political power. He didn't start a revolution. You know, crowds of people uh, flocked to Jesus. But he made such big demands of them, most of them just left. You see, Jesus knows that the quality of discipleship is way more important than numbers. He concentrated on making disciples who would make disciples. And he did it by gathering 12 men around him. You know, let's make sure that we join with Jesus in a small group today. You know, in this church, life group is discipleship. So let's make sure that we're doing just that. Let's pray. I'll just give you a moment to uh, just to reflect and to um, respond to how God has spoken to you and then I'll close. Uh, Lord God we come before you at this moment thanking you for Jesus our perfect example of the perfect disciple I thank you Lord that we can always look to him help us to become more like him not in our own strength but in your enabling Lord help us Lord to live as a community here at the church help us to really be people who support one another and love one another forgive, uh, support in time of need, grieve with one another, and to also challenge each other, Lord, in our discipleship with Jesus. Uh, May we know him more uh, today and each day. May, Lord, um, you be the one that leads and guides us Lord, to be uh, the disciples of Jesus that you want us to be, that you made us to be. May we know Jesus more and more today and each and every day. In his name we pray. Amen.